0: Hey guys, welcome to the e-commerce paradise, high-ticket dropshipping podcast. Got a really cool guest on the show today, his name is Ecom Max, and he's got a really, really, really awesome story to tell, as well as bringing you guys tons of value, and I'm really excited to have him on the talk. Welcome to the podcast, Max.
1: What's up, guys, how's it going? (laughs) So, uh,
0: So you're in New York right now, I'm in Thailand, we're across the world from each other, but we're able to have an awesome conversation, talk about, uh, e-commerce and uh, Facebook Ads. yep, oh, there you are. <laughs> it's snowing outside. Yeah, it's, snowing here. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot and humid here, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's really hot. That's awesome, man. So um, mm-hmm. thanks to thanks to modern technology, not only are we able to communicate across the world, but we can sell things to people across the world too, which is pretty awesome. And uh, exactly.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how my entire business concept works. As long as you have internet, you can be making money all around the world. And that's exactly why I chose it, because it allowed me to make money in Italy, in Jamaica, in Amsterdam, Brazil. And hopefully I might meet you in Bangkok one day as well, because (laughs) I've been planning to go to Asia for a while.
0: I'd love to show you around, man. Lots of fun things to do here yeah so this is really really interesting um you've been selling stuff all over the world now um obviously you've had plenty of success online um before we get into that though let's talk about your story your your backstory a little bit um where did you come from and how did you get into this whole thing
1: in the first place so actually my parents they're immigrants from ukraine so when they came here they acquired a lot of debt and especially for my mom she owed almost hundreds of thousands of dollars so from a very young age i knew like i had to do something even like apart from my family's um, financial destruction in a way. I knew that like I was destined for something bigger because apart from all like the other teenagers back in the day, I was the only one who was reading books. I was the only one who was self-educating. Everyone I felt like was just living in uh, autopilot in a way. And I'm also lucky because I have a twin. Because if I didn't have a twin, I feel like I wouldn't be able to talk to anyone about this. I wouldn't be able to just realize that, okay, you got to get to work, grind every single day, just. Live a couple of years of just doing what most people won't, so then you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. So then, hundred percent. Yeah. That's so great. then it all it started, it all started off at self education. Before I even realized, like, okay, you gotta start making money. It was six to seven hours of reading, and what I usually stress on, like, my entire Instagram is that you must be reading classics because that's where intelligence stems from. The Charles Dickens, the Alexandre Dumas, all of that. But apart from that, obviously, you should be reading business book, learning learning about the economy. So, but then after once you start transitioning to business, you can't leave that out. You can't leave that out. And and then around two years ago, I started my first ever business because I'm like, it was it was the summer. We were barely surviving in a way. My my family was. Um, uh, it's like a p- pretty emotional topic for me. Like my brother, we wanted to just get him like a birthday present in a way, and we just couldn't. So. I started my own business. It was called the modeling management. I actually uh, set up an Instagram. I built it up to around 30,000 uh, followers and I would invite people over to my house uh, claiming that's the studio. I would I invested like $150 into a studio. It looked very professional. I built it up from scratch. So then I would um, text people on DM and be like, oh, you want to get a photo shoot? So my entire service was to just sell people photo shoots. And then after we'd like Set up their applications for agencies. We'd get, we'd photoshop it. I had a photographer, I had a, uh, how do you call it, a makeup artist. So then I would charge like $80 per photo shoot. So for the entire summer, I think I made almost $2,000 with just the photo shoots. And that was like my first ever business. Obviously, my brother was supporting it. He was, we were both there, like meeting up with the people, acting as if we just work in like the modeling management. But because obviously, like we're just kids back then, but we needed to do something. So then like right after that, um, I still, I still use like, the money that I invested into the photo shoot. I still use it for all my videos and everything nice. as you guys can see That's Julius Caesar right there yeah. <laughs> from Rome. So then after we went into, we created our own clothing brand that we sold to kids all around New York city, like in our schools, obviously, like once you learn about drop like the entire clothing brand seemed like big mm-hmm. stuff because obviously your audience is so and you have to actually order the products and have them sitting in your house. When in dropshipping, as soon, as soon as someone buys from your, as soon, as soon as someone buys from your store, you can just ship it out straight to them from China. So as soon as I learned about dropshipping, everything changed. And I was, when I was doing the deal, uh, it, the business was called deal. When I was doing the deal modeling management, I was kind of learning about marketing and it interested me so much because I knew if I learned marketing, then I could sell anything to anyone in the world. And at the end of the day, it's all about in my opinion, learning how to just turn money into more money. And that's exactly what marketing helps you. So then once I first learned about dropshipping, like I, first of all, there's so many different businesses that you could go into. I was looking at Amazon FBA. I was creating my own clothing brand. I was looking at all of these different businesses. But once I saw dropshipping, I was like, this is a, this is a, just the fact that you could have a store set up on your phone. And I could be going throughout my day and just seeing sales like that just bewildered me. And it drove me crazy. Like I would spend days where I would just learn about it from nine o'clock in the morning till 12 o'clock, like just the entire day. I watch, I think I watched more than like 35 courses. Then I wake up at five in the morning and then learn it all over again. So um, I obviously went through the proper self-education when it came to that. I had a couple of mentors as well who obviously like some mentors will give you good points. Some mentors will kind of leave you hanging, but I took all of the good points I learned from every mentor. Obviously every mentor has tons of value to offer you. So I took all of the strategies and kind of combined it into my own, narrowing methodology. Right. And this didn't take like right away because obviously I need to know what works. So I took all of these good points and combined it to my narrowing methodology. And obviously it wasn't perfect then. After that, it went through a lot of experience. And once you're seeing a little bit of results, the greatest part about dropshipping is the community because I started making sales. I think I had a store which I scaled up to $20,000 for the entire month. That was my greatest achievement back then. And I'm teaching people how to just, the complete basic, how to, how to find a product. And then I meet some guys who are also doing $20,000 for the month. So then we come together on a store, we collab, and then next thing you know, we do $70,000 for the month. So like when in dropshipping, it's all about networking. And that's why I used to have a mastermind group with over 200 members. And my entire purpose of that entire group was to make sure that that people find uh, potential partners for their stores. And that's exactly what was happening. People found, for for example, one of my clients was perfect at Facebook ads. He was amazing. And then he found a partner who was amazing at email marketing and website development. So these guys would collab and, They would start up a store, and it would become very successful. But and obviously, as everything, as time was going by, my strategy just kept getting more developed and more developed. And actually, like in November, I had a store which hit two hundred twenty thousand dollars in sales for the entire month. And by that point, I was my dream, apart from paying off my entire mother's debt and my father's as well, was to just travel the entire world because, like I said, I read a lot of classics from France, from England, and I'm very cultured as. I spent four and a half thousand dollars on this Julius Caesar right here. No way. So, yeah. So like I play the guitar, I play the piano, I love painting. So my entire goal was just to travel the world, especially with my brother. So we started off our first ever vacation was to Brazil. First ever travel, we didn't know we have to get visas to go into Brazil. So we, so we get there, we get to the airport. They were like, you guys can go to Brazil. We're like, okay, send us to Argentina. We get to Argentina because someone told us that apparently you can get a visa quicker from Argentina. Our, we still have a hotel in Brazil, so we're losing money as we speak. We get to Argentina, Buenos Aires. They tell us, oh, you can't get a visa. Go to the, go to the border. And there's the second biggest waterfall system in the entire world. It's called Iguazu Falls, the most beautiful like, place I've ever been in my life. We get to the border, and then finally they get us our visa, and we get to enter Rio de Janeiro. But that was just like the first of the travels. <laughs> For New Year's, we were in Italy, I think, for, like, two and a half weeks. We met, actually, even through e-commerce, I met so many people who just follow me on Instagram. They're like, oh, come to Verona. We'll show you, like, a good time. We'll show you the city. And you just meet friends like that for life. So, like, traveling is actually my number one passion. I've been planning to go to Bali, actually, like, in a week. But my brother fell a little sick. But we're still not going to probably post it off. (laughs) oh man bali's amazing definitely go how old are you max i'm 17 wow
0: 17 and and all that (laughs) that's incredible Uh, that's inspiring you guys just turned 17 17, and he's done all this crazy stuff you you not only have you like watched tons of courses and networked like crazy with people but you've also learned so much and taken so much action and had so much success and, and and met all these people and networked and you're only 17 years old. That's incredible. You know, most people wait mm-hmm. until their mid, late 20s, 30s, 40s sometimes. I mean, you're never too young. You're never too old to start doing this stuff and, and start taking action. That to you, man. Well done.
1: Yeah. I actually had a guitar teacher, which I, like, bought for myself around a year ago. And he's an extremely smart guy. But he's 40 years old. And, like, due to, like, me – and we would always talk about business. And due to, like, all the moves I was making – He was finally inspired to finally take action. And I felt he literally looked at me and he had this sad look on his face. And he just told me, he's like, wow, like, I can't believe I was doing nothing in my teenage years. Like, I can't believe I only realized all of this now. Because for me, when I first realized that I needed to take action, self-educate myself, and start making money, it was the craziest realization ever. It was an epiphany. I sat down for a second. I was actually talking to my grandpa. He's like, are you reading books every day? I, I lied to him. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, how are you doing in school? I'm like, yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, every single kid goes through the same exact conversation. Like, why would I, like, obviously, everyone at a young age thinks, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a doctor. And I'm thinking, like, obviously, I was in that same delusion. So then um, all of a sudden, I just think about it. Like, what separates me from the rest? Like, how come if I'm going to, in the same exact education system as everyone else, if I'm planning to pursue the same career occupations as everyone else, I don't have any self-education on the side. What makes you think that I'm gonna be any like, more rich than anyone else? So then if like, you wanna change something, you just gotta go out there and like, seek the people who've already achieved something at a young age, or seek the people who have the connections to just show you the entire industry, right? Because if it wasn't for my mentors in a way, I would be much more narrow-minded. They showed me this, they showed me that, and they kind of put everything together, like the pieces together obviously there's so much information there on youtube there's other like trainings which are only a couple hundred dollars out there but if you want like everything put together like the entire blueprint for success you you can't do that by yourself
0: yeah very well put and i agree 100 percent. i mean you really do have to go out there and learn from many different people in order to put together a full picture of things i've done a similar thing and a very similar business model and it's taken a lot of time just like it took you a lot of time but But it's worth it, you know, and and, and that's the most amazing part is that you can actually do this kind of stuff these days. Before, I think 30, 40 years ago, before the internet was really big, people um, were kind of stuck in this whole mindset of like, go to school, get a good paying job, you know, pay your bills, you know, go into debt and then, you know, and then retire at at 65 years old. And it's just not like that anymore. Like you're, you're practically kind of, you work a lot, but you're semi-retired in Mm -hmm. a sense because you get to travel all the time and you're 17 years old. Yeah, right?
1: <laughs> no, I always tell all my friends they just don't understand the concept. If you have a phone, you have all you need to become a millionaire in this day and age. That's all you need your phone. Because for me, it took me, like, I told you guys, I told you that I had a modeling management, which I made $2,000 from at age 15 or something. I just had a phone. I didn't even have a computer. I kind of scrapped it together a couple hundred dollars to invest. I think anyone could do that. In the end, I think, like, the number one criteria or the number one attribute that entrepreneurs should have is creativity and again that kind of stems from books that stems from mentors but in reality no one has like the circumstances to start like we don't expect you to have hundreds of like thousands of dollars to invest we don't expect you to have the entire like office all we expect you to have is just the phone and then you could take it from there
0: I think the ironic part, a little bit ironic is, at least, is that a lot of people you know, grow up thinking their parents tell them, oh, you have to go to school and you have to go to college and get a degree. And the weird thing is that costs you know, so much money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you have to go into some crazy amount of debt just to get this degree that was, is never going to serve your, your, you know, your lifestyle after um, college, after you graduate. You're going to end up getting a job you hate you know, that you, that you don't like to live. You're not going to be able to travel that much. You're going to have to ask for time off. You're going to have to answer to a boss yeah. all the time. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants this location independent business. Um, and some people like you really, like they just get their shit together and they, and they go out and they look for stuff and they, and they seek it out. And I've dealt with some people like, you and it's pretty awesome, man. Like you remind me of myself when I was around like 20, <laughs> like two years old. I was just like diving into every possible thing I could, talking to everybody I could, trying to figure things out and no matter what. It was just, it mattered so much to me. Um, but you know, not everybody kind of grows up with that drive because a lot of people grow up with, um, you know, parents that tell them, Oh, don't do that. It's too risky, you know, go and get the safe, secure job or whatever. And so, um, you know, good for you for breaking out of that mold and you're now teaching people how to do it, which is pretty incredible and really awesome of you to give back like that. So I guess we can try to get into the next section here. And if you want to teach people how you do this, you know, how, how does this business model work that you set up and how they can try to do it themselves?
1: Yeah, so like I said, since I had to take all the good points from all the courses, all the trainings, all the mentors that I've worked with or watched, I created my own strategy called Nearing Methodology. And it's based off the entire theory that you start off broad. You never, For example, the products we sell, we import them from AliExpress from China. We know nothing about it. I might be selling fashion accessory products, but just the entire theory that you can start off the broad audience, it's okay. I don't know if you ever watched those trainings, but most dropshippers tell you start off straight away with a small audience. But then the problem with that is that you're making a lot of assumptions for no reason. You might assume that your audience might be from 18 to 30, but in reality, you're completely wrong. The audience is from 30 to 54. So you've got to isolate the factors all the time. You start off broad, your age group. This is for the ad Facebook ad campaign. This kind of applies to marketing in general for all businesses, but we're talking about dropshipping. Because in my opinion, once you master the marketing and dropshipping, you could get, like for for me, for example, I could get hired by a big company in New York City just because I know marketing, which I've applied and used in dropshipping. But you start off broad, the audience, you don't touch from 18 to 64 plus. You don't touch the age group, male, female, you don't touch it. You don't touch the locations, except sometimes you exclude Asia or Africa because the cost per purchase is a little higher there. And you let the campaign do its thing. You, you wait, and you just got to study the analytics. After a little time goes by, you see that, oh, only one gender buys from you. More, you narrow the entire population by 50%. You see times going by, for example, like two more days. You see that five out of six purchases were all from women in, I mean, from men in 18 to 27 years old. Then you narrow your, uh, then you narrow your audience even more. Then time goes by, you see the locations that I buy from you. You narrow your audience even more. And then you, once you go through the entire narrowing methodology, once you get to that small little audience, which you know will buy from you each time, then you got to create lookalike audiences off that small audience. And if anyone who has ever dropshipped before or knows what a lookalike audience is, they know how powerful it is because you could create a replicum mirror like audience, but with much bigger populations. They shared all the same interests. They share the same habits on the internet, except it could be like a percentage of an entire country. So now that we found this entire, like this world population, one from United Kingdom, like a couple of people, for example, all the people that bought you like 25% from the United Kingdom, a little bit from Canada, but they all share the same characteristics on the internet. And they're all like in the same age group and the same gender. And we know that's our audience who we've been looking for the entire time. For example, I knew nothing about fashion accessories, but now I know that this young, like with these young women on Facebook only, like we exclude Instagram placements. We know they will buy from my store every single time. So now I have this entire audience of 2 million people instead of that, like 300,000 people who bought from me or who are in that audience, which I created. I have this entire audience of 2 million people and I could also create 20 more audiences, lookalike audiences. For those people that don't know, when you create a lookalike audience, you could base it off an entire country's population. So for example, I have five to six different countries who were in my original campaign and bought for me, and like we excluded all the other countries, like most of Europe because no one bought, obviously we were narrowing down. Now we know those countries have the lowest cost for purchase, and we're gonna create lookalike audiences in their countries. So a lot of I hear a lot of times on just dropshipping, like YouTube, Videos saying that, oh, a product might run dry. Give it two to three months, and then you're going to have to switch products. That That's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. I had stores which I was running for over a year just because I, I was marketing and targeting correctly. I never ran my audience dry because I just kept creating look-like audiences. And obviously, once you have that small little audience, you're going to start upping the budget. Because obviously, in the beginning, when you're going through the scaling spot, there's no point of um, spending your budget as much, as much, wait, you can't spend your budget that much when your cost per purchase isn't at its lowest. So once you get to the retargeting as well, all of those, like once you're going through the entire process of narrowing down, you also got to retarget like along the entire way. Makes a lot of sense. So I think your page views, all these audiences, come on once you get, yeah,
0: I think the key thing here is but just what? to understand what you're talking about just for the audience really quick, just so they know is, is, is Max is just trying to tell you guys exactly how to find the right product market fit. So just understand that. And Max is talking some really advanced Facebook ad strategy stuff right now. And I know it can kind of go over your head like, and, and really blow you away. But the truth is, is that this stuff works really well. And the way he's describing it is really strategic and really smart. So, um, definitely like if you want to learn more about Max's ad strategies, you can check out his YouTube channel. He has some really good videos on YouTube. that talk more in depth about the strategy stuff, but, um, yeah, just so just so you guys know that you can learn more about this and see the actual stuff happening in real world. Um, and not just hear about it, but like, this is the, this is the like theory behind the actual stuff and Facebook ads are changing all the time, but this is kind of how marketing is done in general. And Facebook just makes it really, really. Um, easy to set up and to launch these ads really fast and to to test stuff out and scale. It's really cool. So
1: well done, Max. That's really awesome. The thing is, I kind of realized that this entire theory, first of all, when it hit me, I was completely mind blown because I kind of like, you know, those times where you feel like you know something, but you just don't understand why it's happening. And then you finally just see the entire picture. That's exactly what happened to me around like six to seven months ago. The, The crazy part is that this entire narrowing methodology also works with product research. If anyone watched my training yet, my 45 day training, they know that we start off with four different product research methods. We find 20 to 40 different products. We find these 20 to 40 different products. A lot of them are based off our gut, a lot of them we think might do well. But then we take them through this strict filtering and making sure we find only five to seven winning products based on criteria, based on winning, based on high profit margins. I will never scale a store. It doesn't have high profit margins of at least 75%, meaning you could uh, sell it for $10 on product cost, AliExpress is 2 dollars and a half. So that's my first criteria. Then you eliminate 50% of the products in your shortlist. And my second criteria is you want the product to be in trend and getting a lot of engagement. There are like some people try to find the engagement manually. You could take the shortcut and see the actual statistics live. Like all on Facebook, this product with all of its videos combined has a certain amount of thousands of shares, a certain amount of thousands of comments. So now like it turns out that people, when we're, when I was mentoring people, when I wonder like, why do we need so many products? And then turns out once we're done with the filtering, once we try to validate this product for cold testing they only have one to two like winning products. And then we're, we're still not done with the narrowing methodology. Then we create a store, right? It's an entire general store. This is how my website development strategy works. You create the store, you have, Two to three different winning products in different niches. You might have a baby product, you might have a fitness product, you might have a fashion accessory product. Then you're going through the cold testing because obviously, even though we found the products which will most likely do well based on my criteria through my experience, we still don't know. Like we still have a broad general store. It's still this is our store still. I don't know if the audience can see. Yep. And once we find that winning product, we're gonna narrow the entire store down into a niche store. So right now we have a general store, we might be selling three different niches with a bunch of different upsells. It's completely random, but obviously most people, when they visit the store, they buy straight from the product page. So that doesn't matter. But once we find that winning product, we start narrowing down the entire store into a niche store. Then we're focusing on testing the correct upsells, then we're focusing on the correct cross-sells, down-sells, filler products. So we're not, the entire three, all three pillars of dropshipping success all rely on the narrowing methodology product research you find a lot of you shortlist a lot of products you narrow it down to find your couple winners you start off with your store you have a couple winners when you're trying to narrow it down into a niche store instead of a general store facebook ads you know nothing about your audience for example you chose the baby store you're guessing okay so there's probably moms something on like facebook turns out no when i was running a baby store it was mostly dad's buying my audience which i found that perfect little audience was all dads all men from age like 25 to 34 never would have guessed like it wasn't actually 25 to 34. It was much more random, but you, there's no way of, you knowing this, you can't build an entire campaign based off assumptions when like throughout the entire dropshipping process, all I'm doing is just isolating the factors, especially with marketing. Like I know I was being a little, I was mentioning a lot of terms that most people don't understand, but at the end of the day, you just got to isolate all the factors and find the best audience in age, gender, locations, placements, And mostly those, for example, like play, if people don't know what Playsense is, it's either on Instagram or on Facebook. That's just the theory of the entire strategy. And that's where usually like, in my opinion, 90% of most dropshippers go wrong. In the beginning theory, they don't know the actual concept of dropshipping. For example, they'll start off with an entire niche store, a product, which they didn't validate. They just saw a lot of it on Facebook it on their store they try selling it they think oh they choose something they narrow down their audience right away they think that uh a certain amount they just base their entire campaign off assumptions oh it didn't work so now they're going to change their entire store for no reason they're going to rebuild the store when if the first product doesn't work you always have the second product or the third or the fourth on your store that's an entire point of narrowing down your general store into a niche store once you find
0: it's a brilliant way to do it and i agree 100 that it's really important to look at data and not just making assumptions you guys listen to ecom max here he knows what he's talking about it's really 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 important to understand data is king you don't just make assumptions when it comes to marketing when it comes to research look at what's actually working narrow down like he's saying and then uh you know focus on those best-selling products and then create a full e-commerce sales funnel out of it do upsells do cross-sells, and do even offering affiliate products after the sale. Um, you can offer a membership site even. There's all sorts of different things you can do you know, and uh, to, to make more money off of a single product sale from somebody just because you're offering them more value. And that's that's what the key here is, is just building out the entire sales funnel, but understanding, first and foremost, finding the perfect product market fit. And wow, Max, that's, that's really awesome. You went super into depth on that. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, no problem. But- <laughs> I'd like to finally mention also like it, I mentioned earlier before that I run my stores for up to a year, and most dropshippers say, "Oh, I run a product my rent drop in two to three months," and that also depends on email marketing. Once when once we get to the six month like part, twenty percent, twenty five percent of all of our sales are from email marketing. So, uh, and email marketing, it's you still kind of use the narrow methodology theory in a way because you're always testing to you're isolating the factors, you're seeing which subject lines will get you the most clicks because at the end of the day, like you might, this might feel or it seem like it's not important, but you got to be always testing different sub email subject lines because some of them have a 50% open rate. Some of them have a 15% open rate. And then especially with abandoned card recovery emails, when someone goes on your store and doesn't buy it, but they put in their email, we could send them an email saying that, Oh, you left your product in our cart. Those emails are so vital where they could, literally we could have like 50 percent recovery rate if you write the emails correctly but again it's all about testing your product might be different from like a different product so you can't just find on youtube some usually all of the clients or students i've ever dealt with their email marketing is so typical it's all exactly the same and it sounds i don't want to like say a bad word but it just sounds clownish in a way and i don't get if, if you wouldn't like if you yourself wouldn't buy from this email, why would you expect a random audience who it might be exactly like you buy from your emails? And again, like one thing I didn't mention with entire product research is that you got to be always filtering, not only by those two criterias, but you got to also understand what type of story you're creating. So if you're a part of an audience, for example, I like soccer or someone, a, a girl likes dancing, they could put themselves in that audience. And then they're running a passion store versus a trend store. So a passion store might last much longer because you know more about your audience. Still, you can't make any assumptions, but you kind of know where you're heading when you're narrowing down in the Facebook ad campaign. You also got to know whether you're selling a mainstream product or a niche product. You know, those fidget spinners, the twerking Santas, the, fi- the Halloween masks. Like, I see people trying to sell that on Facebook with Facebook campaigns, trying to target people who, for example, you know, those Halloween masks, which everyone goes to parties and they're trying to target people who are interested in Halloween. That's not going to work because like the typical teenager just wants to go to a party. He's not interested in Halloween. Same with the fidget spinner. Like, you can't target people with short attention spans because in reality, it's a mainstream product. And this is something that don't people don't understand. But if you find these products and you validate them in trend, because you know the mainstream products are crazy in trend, you could run ins- Instagram influencer advertisements and target mainstream audiences, like people who are interested in memes, you know, people who are interested in Kim Kardashian, that entire mainstream audience, which you might like, we might be a part of it. We might be interested, we might watch World Star review now and a while, but that's called the mainstream like media right there. So you might target those people, like, which person is the mainstream, but obviously if it's like a salad cutter and you know, there's an exact audience on Facebook, which I could find, then I'm obviously going to only use Facebook ads. So there, there's a lot of steps that you need to go to just filter all of these types. There's thousands of products you could sell. And the product research, in my opinion, is the most important part. Cause that's the first part. Yeah, it,
0: definitely important. The research is the most important step of the process and wow. I mean, I'm just blown away. You have so much good information here. The strategy of just diving into the research is incredible. I think, Honestly, like just understanding in the first place, um, the difference between a niche and a mainstream audience is really, really, really important for beginners because like if you don't understand the difference, you're going to have a tough time finding the right audience for the product, you know? So make sure you understand what like a very unique product would be. You know, maybe like a special type of baby supply. You can target, you know, moms or dads, like you said, or versus versus something just in the mainstream, like some sort of
1: maybe, uh, I don't know. Like, like a twerking stance. completely. I, I saw like, I actually had students who were selling that product on Facebook, trying to find the perfect audience using my theory. They, like that's what I'm saying is the most important step because it's the first step. They're trying to find the perfect audience for twerking Santa when in reality it doesn't exist. Like I'm not gonna try to to set up some type of baby product and sell it on mainstream media's like World Star or Hood Clips those type of accounts because that's not the mainstream media. But instead, I could find an actual like narrow down audience on Facebook, and that's why it's called niche versus mainstream.
0: Yeah, and I feel like also the difference between um, like a successful product and a not so successful maybe mainstream one is you can find those in physical stores around your area, whereas with like a unique product, you might not be able to find that locally. So having that appear in your Facebook feed and you already being interested in it, you're much more likely to make that impulse decision as a consumer as opposed to just seeing something. Oh yeah, I could get that down at the corner store like a fidget spinner. Exactly.
1: To- so most people buy, like, especially with our dropshipping products, we're giving them such crazy deals. We're always inspiring urgency. We're always inspiring scarcity. Most people buy an impulse. Okay. Someone always, there's always that one student who tells me, he's like, Hey, couldn't they just go to Amazon or like the local Walmart and buy this? I'm like, like that's, that can't be possible because they always buy an impulse. They see they're, you know, they're interested in it is they're scrolling through their feed. They're never searching for the actual product on Google. In reality, they're just interested in the niche. And they see it pop up they see a good deal and we give them a good deal
0: shopping is shopping is kind of like a hobby for a lot of people i think honestly i mean it, it, always, it was for me when i lived in the states i, I bought things on amazon all the time some stuff I, I i just wanted i didn't really even need and it's the same for a lot of people i mean consumerism is huge these days people have money to spend sometimes they don't have money to spend and they still spend money on credit cards and stuff like that yeah. so <laughs> you can take advantage of that and, uh, and sell them a $30, $20, t- even $10 item and make some money on it. Um, and, you know, Facebook ads are not too expensive if you're targeting the right audience. If you are actually, you know, finding the right audience for that product and it's making sales, you know, the conversion rate's a really important thing here. That
1: you're talking about Yeah. You're always looking at purchases like throughout the entire campaign because a winning product, it distinguishes itself right away. Even yeah. when you're not, you don't have the correct audience. It still could be getting sales. Obviously, I've had campaigns where I spent five days just unprofitable. And once I was getting closer to that winning audience, only then did I finally start seeing a return on my ad spend. Awesome. But I was just thinking another huge factor in the criteria that I have all of my students and all of my store website developers make sure that is seen on my website. And our entire goal is to build a brand. So, for example, you see Apple selling headphones, earpods for airpods for $170. On AliExpress the same exact product is worth a dollar. Any dropshipper like this is the most oversaturated product in the entire market they're all trying to sell those airpods but the thing is they don't have branded stores their stores look like gift shops would you buy would you either buy airpods from a store like apple which is branded and you know it's an actual business or would you rather buy it at the local gift shop the 99 cent store like around your neighborhood you got to think about it like that you got to compare the businesses as if you'd see them in real life and most most of the times people you, you assume people don't think about your store in real life but they do mm-hmm. all the time i like get my customer service my virtual assistants they get asked oh where is your store located and we're like oh we're like, there's, there's no location but we'd say like oh yeah we're located in los angeles and then they imagine this like beautiful big <laughs> business in a way because uh-huh. it's branded we have logos done by uh, like uh, photoshop experts. And it looks like a real business compared to a gift shop.
0: Yeah, we used to put a picture of a, of like a warehouse on our About Us page just because it was a, our supplier's warehouse wasn't ours. But if you just put a picture of a warehouse there with a lot of products on the shelf, then people will just assume it's your warehouse and they'll think you're a big business. And it's not lying. It's true. I mean, you do take advantage of the warehouses that are out there. Even with AliExpress, you know, there's warehouses in China that you're taking advantage of. So it's just representing yourself appropriately online and also building trust And, uh, and like you said, branding, I think branding is key. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it's really, really important. Branding is all about customer service, about product quality. It's about follow up, It's about, you know, making how they make the customer feel. It's about packaging. It's, it's kind of a full package, right? Branding is really important.
1: So like a lot of people say that, Oh, like Facebook ads are too expensive because the profit margins are 15%, but in reality, once you get that customer on an email list, once they're your customer, there's you could have more than like a thousand percent profit margin because then from then on, once they've already bought, it's pure profit. Because we work, especially like like I said, long-term stores, we rely greatly on a customer, um loyal customers who buy again and buy again with and we always sending we have our campaigns could be up to like 40 days long with upsells. Mm. So if you have the store set up correctly and it looks like an actual business, you could have that same customer buy from you multiple times and then you forget about like the people saying fifteen, twenty percent profit margins with dropshipping. It goes up to like a hundred percent profit margins with those exact customers.
0: That's very smart. And I think honestly, like that's also the same mindset that big e-commerce companies have, like Wayfair and Amazon and Walmart.com, whatever, any of these huge e-commerce companies, that's exactly what they're thinking too. The cost to acquire a customer might even be close to break-even or even losing money on the front end, but the true profit is made on the back end and the repeat sales. And all the upsells and stuff like that. It's really important to
1: know. Exactly. And also, you're building your search engine optimization like, as time goes by. And then you're, you're getting so many like, back-end organic sales. That's how like, we're looking at. When we start off these stores, a lot of people, if you're selling like, a mainstream product, then maybe not. But always think about starting a real business. Like In my head, when I was 15 years old, I started, drop, I started deal modeling management as if it's a real business. That's how I treated it. Like that like oh maybe make a little money here and there It might not have worked same with all of these stores people just find like the most typical products they could find oh and make a little money no you're thinking about how you're going to take this business and you how it's going to be making money for you for the next year that should be your mindset when you're starting off a store
0: that's awesome wow you guys mm-hmm. think about that really really think about that um have a long-term mindset your business, Max is one hundred percent right on that, and there's nothing better than understanding, you know, what you're going to be doing to make sure that you're having sales come in the next three months, six months, nine months, and you're taking care of their cust- those customers, and you're getting them to refer you to other friends of theirs so that they keep coming back in. You're getting other, those organic sales; those are those are key. Free free traffic is awesome, and that's one of the best ways to build a, a long term, sustainable income with online business. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, and once you already have that one store making money for you. Hopefully you can replicate the entire process. You follow the blueprint word for word again, and then you create another store. And then that's where the beauty actually comes in. You have three to four different stores all making you sales at the same exact time. That's awesome.
0: Incredible, incredible. I'm so glad that um, I had you on the podcast. I think you guys, if you want to learn more from Max, he's got a full training course and everything for you. He's even got a free offer for you guys. Uh, Max, why don't you tell them about that right now?
1: So I'm actually just, for I think the next couple of week or two, I'm selling a free training. I mean, it's a completely free training and I'm also offering a free 300 page ebook in this offer just because a lot of people, they see a lot of outdated and wrong, misinformed information on YouTube. So I just want to lay out all the theories, completely free training, just to make sure that when people go into dropshipping, they know exactly what they're doing. They have something to work off of and they're not already starting off like, Built on failure because they've learned from the wrong YouTube mentors, or not the mentors, but those people on YouTube who give you strategies which sound very complicated, but in reality they don't work. So I'm selling. I'm giving away this free training to just have people understand that the real concept of my business model dropshipping. Sounds very viable. Where can people find that? It's called the domain is ecommax.biz/sales page. Cool. So, all
0: right, guys, econmax.biz slash sales dash page. I'll put a link in the description. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can click that link, or if you're on the podcast, there should be a link in the, in the description there as well. Um, or you can just type it into your browser. Um, Max, thanks so much for being on the podcast and, um, definitely definitely know you're going to have tons of success. You're only 17 years old, man. I can't wait to see where you're at when you're like in your mid twenties, even in your thirties. Uh, it's going to be awesome to kind of watch your journey. Oh, and by the way, you have an Instagram channel um, and a YouTube account. Let's just reiterate that. I think um, everybody loves to follow the journey of successful entrepreneurs. Um, what's your Instagram account?
1: So my Instagram is ecomax. It's E C O M M A X Ecomax, and my YouTube is, you guys are going to be have a hard time remembering this, but it's Maxim M-A-X-I-M, space Trubitsky, which is my last name. Like I said, my parents came from Ukraine. Uh, T-R-U-B-I-T-S-K-I
0: okay cool and uh, if you guys just type on Ecom max into youtube um his videos do come up um and also if you type in Ecom max into google his his youtube videos will pop up there and they're really good i highly recommend really good facebook ads training again he goes over all the strategy and stuff like that so definitely tune into that um e- uh, max thanks so much for being on the podcast i uh, really do appreciate it and uh, everybody got tons of
1: value so it's really awesome thanks so much all right no problem and remember um no takers are money makers so all of these free trainings, all of these YouTubes, make sure you're taking notes because when I started off a couple of years ago, I probably had like four different notebooks of just notes, which I was learning from. But
0: thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, we'll stay in contact. I hope everyone's taking action after this. Talk to you guys soon.
0: Note takers are money makers. Remember yeah, that guys. that's what
1: I love. By. <laughs> Bye-bye. See
0: you.